Welcome everybody to the Kim Barrett Show. I'm your host, Kim Barrett. And on today's episode, we have Mr. Mike Kellett from Macro Mike. Now, of course, I had to get some samples in to make sure that what we were talking about was legit. Now, Mike has grown his business ridiculously in only a couple of years to a multi-million dollar business focusing on supplementation, looking at all natural plant-based protein. Now, if you're someone who likes to go to the gym and is interested in that, this is going to be a very interesting because we dive into how he focused on growing his business using plant-based products when everyone else was selling whey-based products and, of course, the different avenues he's used to grow his business. So if you want to grow your business, if you're online and you have multiple channels, this is going to be an amazing episode for you. But without further ado, let's jump into the show. Thank you so much for making the time to join us today, my man. Really appreciate it. Ah, oh, anytime, bro. Super excited to chat all things startup business, headaches, awesomeness. You know, <laughs> it's always all, good to share the journey. And I like to send the elevator down to all yeah. the entrepreneurs out there to help out because it can be tough on the road. Like, and there's not really like a textbook you can read that tells you like how to run a successful business. Like it's just a bit of a whirlwind out there. Yeah, 100%, my man. So I always like to start with one the same question with everyone, which is if I met you at a party and we're hanging out and we're chatting and maybe had a couple of drinks and I said to you, Mike, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer? Yeah, cool. So I guess the elevator pitch, eh? like we take typically unhealthy sort of like sweets, if you like, you know, like brownies, cookies, I call them sweets. And we basically make clean, healthy alternatives. So if you take like... A brownie, for example, we'll take a brownie that's typically unhealthy and naughty and we'll make it clean so people of all like dietary requirements and maybe people that are tracking calories and macros can still enjoy all those naughty foods that everyone says like, oh, don't eat brownies, don't eat cookies, don't eat waffles. So that's essentially what Macro Mike has been founded on for the last four years really is just, yeah, making unhealthy food. Yeah, I love that. Well, tell us a little bit about the start because obviously four years ago, this all didn't really exist, right? And it was kind of a bit of a side hustle to start off with. Like, tell us a little bit about that journey because it's pretty interesting. Back in the day, my brother and I used to sell, like we were a reseller of supplements. So I've always been interested in the industry and seeing how all that sort of stuff works. So yeah, give us, fill us in a little bit on that side of things. For sure. So I guess if we kind of rewind right back to the start, it was really myself. I was competing for various bodybuilding competitions. So I was competing for IMBA, which is Natural Bodybuilding Association. It's now called the ICN. But at the time, I was doing various fitness and physique competitions. And I guess this was back when flexible dieting and, and tracking macros was kind of becoming like pretty hot topic. People were sort of like realizing that, you know, if you took carbohydrates from a banana versus like a sweet potato versus an ice pop or whatever. Like it, it's all kind of a carbohydrate at the end of the day. So people started realizing that you don't just have to eat chicken and broccoli seven times a day to get shredded. And I guess myself on this journey, I was kind of the fat kid growing up that loved naughty foods and loved binging on like pancakes and brownies and waffles. And I kind of was like, well, if really what the science is saying I could eat pretty much whatever I want within reason as long as it fits my macros. 
I kind of went on the path and the journey of every day to just make the absolute most of my macronutrients for the day. It was just me making all these creations. I had this Instagram page, Macro Mike, and I just used to share all my recipes and then obviously share my physique changes. So I was getting really lean at the time. And then I guess people, yeah, it just got the heat of people. People were like, oh man, how's this guy like getting so shredded whilst he's eating all this junk food as such? And then people started reaching out and I thought, hey, look, at the time I was over what I was doing. I was working in commission-based sales. I've always been pretty entrepreneurial. I just never had that like light bulb moment to be like, okay, this is going to be what I'm going to put my time and energy into. And then I thought, hey, maybe I can make a business out of this. So yeah, that's essentially how it all started. And what's the obsession with then the peanut stuff, right? Because obviously it's like there's for anyone that's listening, when it comes to the world of protein and protein powders, you've got the animal base, you've got whey, which they use a couple of different versions of. Then you've got obviously on the other side of things, there's the vegan range, if you will, which is a lot of the plant-based stuff. So what made you go towards the whole peanut angle? Probably it stems back to at the time. So I'm dairy intolerant, so I can't have whey protein. So at the time I was drinking various plant-based proteins. And if we rewind like four years, pretty much every single plant protein was made on pea and rice protein. Mm. And typically if anybody's had like pea and rice protein, typically they're pretty grainy, pretty gritty. You know what I mean? It's like eating dirt. Oh, bro. <laughs> like drinking sand, exactly. Yeah. And so for me, I guess I was like, paying extortionate prices for all these plant-based vegan proteins. And I was like, surely this can't be it, right? Like there's got to be other people out there like me that can't have whey protein and dairy proteins. And they're not just going to suck up drinking this dirt. Like there has to be a bit of a shiny light at the end of the tunnel. And then I searched and searched and searched and there was just nothing. It was just kind of like everyone used to say, oh, you know, this vegan protein is good. But then it was followed by the saying for a vegan protein. So it was it was never like this product's good. It was just like this is good for a vegan protein. And everybody knew that vegan protein just shouldn't taste good. And I was like, nah, like stuff that. Like surely someone's going to be able to make one that tastes good. And also it could mass market. So even people that weren't vegan or plant-based would be like, hey, I want to dabble in that. That tastes really good. And I guess I looked at trends in the USA, which is what's pretty hot, like in the health and supplement industry. And there was an ingredient flowing around, which was like peanut protein, peanut flour, like it's got a couple of different names. And it was in a product called PB2, which is like a powdered mm. peanut butter. Delicious. And that's, um, yeah, bro, you've had it before. So everyone loves powdered peanut butter. It's really yum. And I guess like the way the obsession started, like when I was prepping, I used to just mix up this peanut butter paste as like a bit of a treat and I'd just eat it because I was real hungry and it had like pretty much no calories and stuff in it. And then I just started experimenting with like, oh, hey, look, maybe this would taste good in a shake versus pea and rice protein. It's real smooth. It's real creamy. And yeah, I guess that then formed the foundations. Most of our range was on this peanut protein and it was really innovative in the industry. I still haven't seen anything that kind of comes close to that. And one of the sales guys as well used to compete and coach for competitors. And we used to sell, buy and sell a lot of different proteins and stuff when we were going. And yeah, every time it was tough to find good vegan protein. And I would stay, and I would say it still is. And I think that after trying yours, it's definitely 
I would say a, a leader in the market because it actually tastes good. Like, I, you know, if you didn't tell me that it was vegan, I, I would have no idea. And obviously it still has a great protein content and things like that. So when I tried it, I like, literally had like, some sitting right here and I was like, oh, this is actually delicious. And I had a friend of mine over in Brisbane who's a photographer, Dee, and she gave me a first little, it was kind of weird because we're at an event and she like transitioned a little baggie to me. And I was like, yeah, cool take. And it was like, it's all good. It's protein. Don't That's don't right. worry. Yeah, keeping it clean over here. But it actually is like really, really tasty. And obviously, that's got to have something to do with, you know, you have to have not just a good product from the macronutrient content, but obviously taste good as well, right? So, which has probably been a huge part of the success. Because if we fast forward now, you're about to open, because you've got an online store, you're about to open a physical store, you've got a gym coming up. That's been pretty rapid growth, right? Over just four years. Yeah, I'd say like the first two years was a bit of a slog, you know, like startup, self-funded. I'm obviously from the UK, so there was no option to get business loans because I wasn't even like a permanent resident. No one really wanted a bar of it. Even when the business had three years of accounts, all the banks are saying, no, no one wants to lend money. It was tough to scale and grow because money was tight. When you run in an inventory heavy business and also a contract manufacturing business. So by those two things, obviously inventory is you've got a stock-based business. So we're not selling like a service or like an app or something. We have a physical product that we have to put in a warehouse to then send out to people. And also a contract manufacturing business, we're actually blending and manufacturing all our products as well. So it adds another level to the business because you also have to hold not just physical stock, but then raw materials to make more physical stock. So you kind of have to hold double the amount of materials and, and product and that's all money right it's all just money sat in a warehouse so if you don't have money you're so limited to how fast you can grow because you have to keep so lean on manufacturing keep turning over the product so much so that you can then scale and grow so the first two years was just basically like not running out of money it was just basically bank stealing borrowing well not stealing but the saying and selling suppliers the dream and like telling them, look, guys, this is how much we're growing, but we just need you to do as a solid and give us 30-day payment terms. We'll pay you back on the day. Don't stress about it. That was the tough part was getting past those first two years. We then got to a point where I guess the business was making enough money to support the growth. And it kind of was like a big relief where we didn't have to worry about running out of money anymore, which is always a nice thing. And it means we could start to play with some of the big boys and we could like throw marketing dollars around where we'd never had that ability before. We'd never paid influencers. Like we'd never spent $20,000 at a trade show and been like, oh, it's all good. It's just marketing. We'd never had that, that ability to do. And then I guess year three to then year four, we got to the stage. I mean, you know, there's still obviously headaches along the way and you still, you're not printing money, but you just have a lot more flexibility. And that's, I guess, where the real growth came because there was a lot less stress on running out of money and it was a lot more, okay, how can we take this business to the next level? So I think definitely that was the turning point of the business, if that makes sense. What were the best sales channels for you coming up there? Obviously, you mentioned when you were doing a lot of the first two years of just really hustling, 
was there one sales channel that just really overperformed for you guys that helped you keep driving? Because some people, because if you think about online, and again, just for the, everyone listening or watching, if you've got those physical products, obviously you can sell them yourself online or you can sell to retailers like a wholesale price and then you've got to rely on them to sell it. What were some of the best options or outcomes for you in that time and, and now as well? Yeah, and a really good point. And I guess people that are listening, there is a couple of different channels. Obviously, selling direct to consumer is always going to be the best margin because you obviously can sell it at a much higher price. When you take on a wholesale account, obviously, it sounds really good because you're selling big bulk orders, but your margin is a lot less because they obviously want to make their cut. And then also, you can use a distributor, which is basically the middleman between you and essentially a wholesaler. So what they might do is they might buy like a pallet and then send individual cartons to stores that then sell individual products to retail customers. So we have three channels. And what we found was because the margins at distribution level were a lot lower than obviously the wholesale level, wholesale level, which was a lot lower than the retail level, we had to grow our online side of the business three times as fast as the distribution side of the business because Otherwise, essentially, the distribution and the wholesalers were like 30 to 60 day accounts. So we didn't get paid on those for 30 to 60 days, whereas the online revenue was pretty much in the bank the next day. So we found that growing our online channel basically allowed us to then grow our wholesale and distribution channels a little bit of a slower rate, but we kind of grew the three together. So probably the online channel was what allowed our growth to kind of like snowball, if you like, especially after like year two to three, because we were just sort of like killing it online. So then we didn't mind if we didn't get paid on some of the other channels for like 30 to 60 days. It didn't hurt our cash flow. With the online channels, obviously you guys are heavy on Instagram. You mentioned you started with all your recipes and stuff on Instagram and whatnot. Was that one of the core channels and mostly organic? Were you doing paid as well? What was the kind of uh, setup like that? 100%. And I think big thing with the industry nowadays, I, I see heaps of businesses kind of starting up. And the first thing they do is like, oh, I'm just going to pay all these influencers to tell people to sell my product. And I wouldn't say it was an ego thing. But for me, I never wanted people to say, hey, buy Macromite products because I'm getting paid to say these are awesome. And that was something that I kind of put my foot down and still to this day, you know, we've never ever paid an influencer to promote our products, which as a social media startup, I think that's quite a rare thing. Probably 9.9 .9 businesses out of 10, the easy way is to just throw money at people, right? And say, hey, this is a great product. Use my promotional code. Duh, 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 duh. That doesn't mean that we haven't got an amazing following of content creators and ambassadors who we gift product out to in exchange for promotion, but there's never been like a direct, hey, we're going to give you $5,000 to post this product, if that makes sense. And I think that's really kept the brand authentic and organic. I think we've really built an amazing customer following to the point now where we can almost put out any product and the community will take to it and they'll try it, which is a really powerful thing because we can just fire new product launches out and we know that they're not going to be a failure if that makes sense which is really cool that's awesome and i know even like talking to guys in the office they're like oh who's on the podcast today? i was like i've got macro mike and then they're like oh yeah i love the pancakes from that you know it's like it spreads out so far and wide especially with people just trying different things i think as well you guys have done a great job of 
not just the normal things that you would expect from a supplement company, if you yeah. will, want to put it in inverted commas. It's like you guys are doing like a really good range of stuff, which is quite impressive from like an outsider looking in. With all of those things that you've been doing there now, what was the reason now? Because you're going, you've obviously been predominantly online and having your other channels. And now you're going to set up physical location, yeah. right? You got a physical gym and stuff coming. What's the story behind those? Yeah, oh, great question, Adam. Over the last three, four years, we've gained such an amazing community. We do get hit up several times a day saying, hey guys, can we come and buy the products from you? The setup we have at the moment, we have a full state-of-the-art production facility and then a kind of warehouse next to it. But we just never really felt comfortable with people walking in. We've got a full production site with heavy-duty machinery. You don't just want to like open yourself up to the public. It's like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. It's not like people are knocking on the door to the actual factory saying, hey, can I buy some chocolate? So for us, we saw an opportunity. I was a personal trainer for five years, and I spent a lot of time working in gyms and you know, obviously training and whatnot. And then we saw an opportunity during COVID-19 where a gym was came for sale. And we just thought, hey, look, this is a really cool way to, to give something back to the community, to like have more community events and stuff there. And also to bridge that gap between a commercial gym and also a community-based gym as well. It just happened to have a kind of office set up next door that I said, hey, like how cool would it be to put a retail store in? And the team kind of said, oh, you know, you're crazy, but I think it'll work. I think it'll be real good. So it was just an opportunity. I just thought, hey, look, it makes sense. We've got this awesome community. And also I'm not getting too much into the politics of it, but the sad thing is in the industry, someone might go to a supplement store and be like, hey, I want to buy macromac protein. And then the supplement store has their own brand of protein that they make more money on. And they might be like, hey, don't buy macromac, buy this because it's better. It's real sad when you put so much time and energy into making cool products and then your customers kind of like get sold down the rabbit hole of, of, of taking other products. So for us, we thought, hey, look, what would be awesome is if we had an actual retail store where you walk into the retail store, it's completely unbiased because every product is macro mics. So it's not like you're playing brands off against each other. And also it means people can click and collect. They can go on the website have their order ready, same day pick up. They don't have to wait for shipping. Yeah, I've seen some of the photos of leading into it. It looks very cool. I'm excited to see how it all pans out. I'd love to know as well, what's like, obviously, as you mentioned, they're like four years and growing to the size that you guys have in that time. It's a big feat to grow that much, especially when there's all the stats around businesses that, you know, within the first five years, most of them yep. closed down. So to see you guys skyrocket like that is amazing. And what's one thing, a big lesson that you've learned along the way? And like, I know that a lot of people say like, if I would go back, I wouldn't change anything because that's got me to where I am. But yep. if there was one thing where like oh that was a little bit painful if we could have avoided that that would have been great is there anything that stands out for you there there's been a few things along the way i guess sour relationships with distributors that weren't on the same page that kind of like you know stunted growth there's been manufacturing issues along the way we've made any mistake you think a business could have made we've made it and we've paid for it you know what i mean but at the same time that's the beauty of a startup right it's like you go through the journey and you do make the mistakes when you're small, but then they teach you how to not make that mistake again so that when you get big, all the kind of like processes and systems that you have in place have all come about from mistakes that you've kind of made. I think the biggest one for me is like, it's just trusting your gut. And I know a lot of people say that and it's real cliche. If something doesn't feel right, 
don't be afraid to say no, even if the money is hanging down. I think the, the most important thing is a business, especially a small startup, is don't get jaded by the money. Like the money will come if you work hard and, and if you have an amazing community and amazing product. The money is a byproduct, right? But it shouldn't fuel the growth of the business because there's bigger things there. So we've turned down multi-million dollar deals, contracts, relationships because they just didn't feel right or because the person wasn't on the same page as me. And 99% of people in my situation would have been like, bloody crazy. Like, why are you turning down that contract? It's worth millions. These guys, they're not on the same page. They're not giving me respect. You know, they're not doing this. Like, And you get into a business to do positive things. And if it doesn't align with where you want to get to, there's no money in the world that can change what your work ethic is and your ethos is, in my opinion, you know, for me. And I think just, yeah, trusting your gut and making sure that you stay true to your morals is probably the most important thing. So true. Like we have the same where we've had, I know for me, I've, if I've ever brought on, so for anyone listening and watching as well, obviously we do it ads and paid marketing and things like that. And we've had times where it's like you bring on a client or you're talking to a client and you get that gut feeling but it is a good, as you say, the money can blind you. I know I've made the mistake of going, oh, I'll, that's a good monthly retainer. I'll take that. And then it's like, oh, within a week, I'm like, wrong. Yeah. Like, you have to go and give them a refund. But like, no, nah, I don't want to. We can't work together. It's just not going to work. So it's trusting that gut feeling, I think, is so important. And as you say, I've always found that when you do turn down the opportunities that when your gut's like, mm-mm, you seem to sometimes find even better opportunities that then do align up and you've got the capacity to see them. 100%. Yeah, you, you, honestly, you just nailed it, bro. Like, we had this conversation in the office a couple of days ago. We've, we've been working with Woolworths for like the last nine months, and we were at a pivot point where it's like, okay, do we continue down this path or do we kind of go a different direction? And the one thing I said is, look, every time I've kind of made a difficult decision in the business and we've closed one door, another door's opened and it was the right thing. You just have to trust your gut. So, yeah, I think. For anyone that's a budding entrepreneur, startup, the most important thing is just don't get jaded by the money because it's all about the journey, you know, and the right opportunities will open regardless. And I would like to ask the same question to everyone, which is, what's one question that I haven't asked you that I should have? Probably just, what's the end goal? What's the plan for Macro Mate? Where do we see the growth? Would be a good one. Yeah. Well, tell, tell me, fill me in. What's the growth? What's the plan? We're trying to just be a real pivotal player in the industry and we're trying to just basically level up the plant-based natural supplement functional food industry by doing the right thing. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors in every industry and I think we just all like I just get kicks out of kind of like pushing the boundaries of where natural plant-based nutrition can get to. Somebody might pick up one of our cookies that has a gluten and dairy intolerance and also they're tracking their macros, that to them would just be the holy grail of, of like, oh my God, I found something that I can eat. And it's like, that just doesn't exist. We're trying to like take all these things that shouldn't, like, you know, everyone's kind of saying, no, nah, this is too good to be true. That's the saying I love when people say, oh, this is too good to be true. And you kind of touched on it when you saw the cookie, you're like, oh, another protein cookie. And then when you taste it, you're like, oh man, these guys really hit the nail on the head. And that for me is what keeps the drive and the innovation and keeps us all hungry as a team. We're all just trying to like push the boundaries and push the limits of the industry. So it's not really 
a financial goal. There's no like, oh, we want to make X amount of money. It's just we want to make an impact. It's as simple as that. Mm. I think you guys are doing a phenomenal job. And like I, as someone who has tried over the years, as I said, probably nearly all types of protein because we used to test them and get the American ones, the Australian ones, the protein bars, the everything, especially in that. And some people may not know because they go to a shop and they might buy a protein bar. It's like sometimes you've got really what would be close to like a Snickers or a picnic with a little bit of protein in it. So full of sugar and not really too much else. Or you've got things that taste like you're literally biting into a block of powder and it's just really not enjoyable so i think you guys have got the best of both worlds where it's like you've got the perfect balance of macro but still that it's still got a good taste and that's why i said to you i was like i'm pretty honest with people i don't blow smoke but when i tried the i've got the cookie here as well it's like i tried it and i took a bite and i was like as i said i've had cookies before i'm like what's this going to be like and i was like this is a pleasantly surprised like, this is really good and then in my team everyone's like what does it taste like and they all eat protein bars and stuff as well and they try it they're like it's legit so i highly recommend if anyone's listening if you if you track your macros even if you don't if you enjoy a good little protein hit and something nice go and check out macro mike it's it is legit 100 can't uh, recommend it highly enough and mike if people have been listening they're like cool i want to follow more of the journey of macro mike and, and really keep in, in touch with what you guys are up to where's the best place for them to connect with you guys yeah, cool, man. So you can jump on the Instagram. It's just MacroMike with a zero. So M-A-C-R-0-M-I-K-E. Facebook, MacroMike Clean Treats. Otherwise, just check out our website. It's just macromike.com.au or just Google MacroMike. It will pop up. You know, there's heaps of reviews on there. We've got heaps of different products. Like you said, man, if anyone's out there tracking the macros or if anyone just likes tasty treats, yeah, we've got most things covered. We've got the bars, the cookies, We've got the protein, all the bacon mixes, and heaps, heaps, heaps of new products that we're bringing out this year, which is um, super exciting as well. Epic. I'm looking forward to seeing all of those. And guys, if you're listening or reading, I will have either click on the link above and go through the site and you can get all the links that will be in the show notes to check out everything that we've just mentioned there and all the sites and links and socials and everything. If you're uh, listening to our podcast app, the info will be there as well. Mike, really appreciate you taking the time to be on with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks, bro. Really good to chat and keep doing awesome things. And thanks for the time. I really appreciate it, bro. Super awesome. Yeah, pleasure, man. Thanks for being here.